You can do anything you set your mind to. Si se puede. I always tell people you can do this. It sometimes people get um, really overwhelmed with the amount of debt that they have, especially if it's in the six figures and they don't make six figures. Um, it's still you're able to attack it. This is still possible. Y el que quiere puede. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Moneda Moves. It's your host, Leanne. And now we are in the middle of Financial Literacy Month, mi gente, and that means one thing. We are diving deep into personal finances. Today, we speak with founder and CEO of Debt Free Latina, Mayra Alejandra Garcia. She's a financial coach teaching women and families how to get out of debt, grow their net worth, and claim their financial independence. In 2010, she was stressed out about bills, living in a house she couldn't afford, had car loans, student loans, and credit cards. She was ready to make a change. So she learned how to budget. A few years later, she created what she calls the cash flow method. It's enabling people she coaches to see where every penny lies and at the same time teaching people how to secure their future. So without further ado, welcome Maida. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Me too. I'm excited to have you here. I want to learn a little bit about who you are, Myra. What has your trajectory been to where you are today, a proper jefa in charge of her company, helping people build wealth? Well, um, it started in 2010. I was in my own debt-free journey. Um, that's when we started our journey in 2010. So it's been a little over 10 years. Um, I, in 2017 was when I felt it would be wise to just get in, um, on getting certified to become a financial coach. And so I, I went through that whole process. And since then I've been helping families get out of debt and build a plan for their retirement. And I help them through how to buy a house and things like that. So things that will help them build wealth. Fantastic. And now what is your target demo? Uh, assuming from the name of the title of your, of your company, it, it's Latinas, but where do they shop? Where do they live? What's their income range? So the target market is 18 to 45. I find that a lot of people are um, like, getting out of college, you're going into college and have student loans. That's, I would say, the common denominator across my demographic. A lot of people are dealing with student loan debt and um, like we were. And so um, that's um, where I'm at. I think that a lot of the Latinas I talk to are young moms or want to be young moms um, and are, you know, just forming their families now. And they're trying to find a way to manage all the debt that they have and start a family. So I help navigate that whole process because it can be really, you know, it's exciting to start a family, but then you find yourself in a burden of debt. And it's like, how do you manage daycare and all the new expenses that are coming in with a new family? And so creating leverage, you know, the difference that cushion of, this is my disposable income. This is what I can 
throw towards the debt. This is how I can get out and eliminate the debt so that I have money to do all the other things that I need to do now with my new family. So um, 18 to 45 is that demo. And then I would say when it comes to income, I'm finding families between 60 and $100,000 a year. So this is your average family because the average household income in America is about $55,000 a year. And so I'm able to help people that are just starting their careers that don't have an established career yet and um, are, are going through this beautiful process of forming families and, and having kids and learning, you know, also teaching little kids how to manage money young because we've got to get them young and, and teach them these things. Yeah, no. So I I think it's so interesting and you have a lot to offer as somebody who's targeting people who are looking to build families, because quite honestly, that is the time that people are looking to build families. And at least whenever I've seen personal finance, it more targets the self, but what happens when you're trying to take care of not just you, but also, you know, your partner care for each other and care for your children. I feel like that's a completely different ballgame and you, it requires a different mindset as well. It does because you find yourself with competing priorities and that's what's really hard because it's like you want to prioritize having a family, you want to prioritize having kids, but it's like, well, I don't want to do that if I'm in debt or I don't want to. And it's like, well, let's think of it differently. And I, um, I find that it's challenging to pay off debt when you have kids or when you have, you know, competing priorities like sports or daycare and those things are like a mortgage payment sometimes Mm -hmm. Um, it's really expensive to keep up with things like that which I think are really important to have and so having some sort of balance right and and learning what um, percentages are applicable to each thing and making sure that you're not over on what the ideal percentage is for whatever it is that you're wanting to do and so teaching people like let's have a balanced lifestyle, not just putting, you know, let's say having two car payments that, you know, having two cars at $100,000 total is a lot of money. And so you can have really good cars that are 20, 30,000 and not have $100,000 in debt and just cars, you know, so, so really seeing percentages and ratios and what ratio that is to your income. There's a lot of these conversations that I have. Well, after looking at this, I can see that you have a lot in cars or you have a lot in toys like RVs and um, jet skis and things like that, where I find that people spend their money when they're, you know, single in and once they have families, it's like, wait a minute, maybe that's not wise Maybe we should sell some of that so that we can pay for daycare. What are some of the biggest kind of um, challenges that you find that people in the, in the demo that you work with that they face? I would say the biggest challenge is that the people in my um, demographic don't have a big income. So being very wise and methodical in how they're prioritizing everything, because retirement is also a priority, right? You have to still read invest into your um, 401ks and um, investments like that. So it's, it's a challenge to meet everything that people want. I think our wants are more than what our needs are. 
And so really focusing on what is it that you need? What is your ideal life look like? What is a goal in your life that you really want to meet? And when you have priorities and you have goals and you have um, things lined up, then you can really set, okay, well, I can do without this. So I think um, it's not necessarily sacrificing so much. It's just aligning with what you really want. And so to me, I say, you know, they're just choices. They're not sacrifices. They're just choices. I think alignment is a very powerful word to use for this because when you see it through the lens of alignment, you're really working with them to have them align with their values and create a plan to kind of design the life that they, that they need. It sounds so more so than necessarily want, yes, want, but also need because it aligns with everything else in your life. Yeah. So that's, that's usually where I start. I start with what would you like? What is your ideal look life look like? What are some of the things that you guys want to achieve in the next 30, 60, 90 days? And then I talk about what's the long term is, a, you know, let's say is a baby in, you know, in the next 12 months or in the next 24 months. And how are we going to get that done? And honestly, I feel like a lot of people stress out about daycare. I would say that's like my number one complaint. It's like, how am I going to pay for daycare? It's like, well, well, let's look through how much does daycare cost and let's do some research. Mm. And there's so many options, right? You have in-home daycares that are less less expensive. You have bigger daycares that are a, a little more, but seem to have a little more flexibility. And so I go through pros and cons. There's a lot that goes on with these financial coaching situations because everybody has a different situation. Mm, Yeah, no, I can imagine. And especially with the last year, I am genuinely curious because Latinas have been one of the most impacted groups, both from a workplace perspective. We've seen the biggest exodus of women from the workplace, but especially Black and Latina women. Um, With that added uh, financial potential burden to our communities, what kind of, have you shifted any Have you observed any shifts in priorities, uh, any like newfound challenges and ways to cope with them or deal with them? What's really interesting, what I've seen in the last six to nine months since the pandemic hit is that a lot of people are eating at home, which is really awesome and has really created this um, ability for people to save more. Mm. And these, you know, these... um, stimulus have also helped right because people are leaving I, ha- I know a couple families that decided the mom would stay home and and care for the online schooling for their children and so they're having to go from two incomes to one so that's been um, one way that that they've really learned and um, have been able to manage some of these things is by eating at home I think a lot of people are you know, going online and and finding recipes and really trying new things that they never had time for before. And I feel like that's one way moms are able to, um, I used to be a huge couponer. So I had one family that reached out and they're like, I remember you posting about coupons. How do we go about saving money on toiletries that way? And so I kind of went through some of the tips and tricks that I did to stock up my house. And um, although I don't do that very often now, um, I still know how to do that. So 
that was one thing that was really helpful helpful to that family and then just you know applying the the just simple meals like it doesn't have to be super complicated you can have some very simple really delicious meals at home and that saves a lot of money this particular family was spending over a thousand dollars eating out for a family of four Mm -hmm. um and when they were able to cut that out it's like okay well maybe mom can stay home I like that you you put that spin on it and that there are possibilities with the more flexible work environment that we do have um, for people to do to save money in some ways. And so I, I like that you're very solution oriented. Um, I guess this probably wouldn't be um, for the target demo that that you're looking to work with, but certainly maybe for some people listening to this podcast, we so often walk into spaces where people talk about personal finance and they talk about making more money um, and maybe even reaching six figures. You are uh, of the thought that you don't need six figures necessarily to to start building wealth. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for bringing that up. I think that um, I come from a family that has been, we're a family of four and we've been in the, you know, between 50,000 and about 95,000 in our whole life. And so we've ranged anywhere between that. And we've been fine. We've been great. It's all worked out. I think being out of debt has really enabled us to create that um, ability to still invest. And I feel like after, actually, I just talked to my financial planner And after reviewing our numbers every year, and we just did this um, about a month ago, we're on track with our goals for our own life and we don't make six figures. So I'm talking from personal experience. You don't need six figures to live comfortably, to retire with dignity and to um, be comfortable. You don't. I think that we were able to move from a very high priced area we were in southern california and moved over to phoenix arizona which enabled some of that savings right and so i understand that you do need six figures to live in very pricey areas like new york city like the bay area in california southern california is you know also very expensive and to live comfortably there or in a very good neighborhood where you feel comfortable raising a family six figures is sometimes required. And so it really depends on where you live. And that's another factor of when I say you don't need six figures, well, you don't need six figures in most places. Yeah, you also relocated. And I think it's very good that you bring up these things because the big thing about personal finance is not one size fits all. So you relocated from South California to where? The Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. So, so that's part of your equation when you think about your personal finances. Absolutely. 100%. I think that it would have been challenging to achieve what we have without the move. Um, And not everybody is able to, or wants to move. And I understand that like, but it, it also, it's all relative, right? I mean, the cost of living is less here. So you're able to do more with little and um. I would say one of the things that really helped us is that we were in fields that were in high demand in Phoenix, Arizona, and which allowed us to actually get 
more money here in Phoenix than we did in Southern California because the job market as well was at the time in 2008, uh, 2006 when we moved here, um, was one where there wasn't a lot of competition and it was very easy to get a job. Even though we were you know, about to hit a, um, in 2008 was when we hit the recession, but even during the recession, it was, Phoenix was booming. It still is. And the competition for, for jobs is just not the same as it is in California. There's, you know, it's, it's fairly easy to get a job here. Yeah, no, I think it's so important that you bring all of that up because context absolutely matters. So thank you for that. I also wanted to spend some time talking to you a little bit more about practical tips that you might deal with on, on a more daily basis with your business. So obviously debt-free Latina, one of them is getting out of debt. And I do also want you at some point to elaborate on, on your, your cash flow method course. Um, so how about we tackle that first? And then we go into some of these kind of tips, talk to us about the course that you offer the cash flow method and just exactly what people could expect if they work with you. So the cash flow method is the budgeting system that I created um, for our family. And um, it really is super simple to use. It pretty much is a week to week budget and and each spreadsheet has a month's view at a glance. And then it breaks it up by week, which helps you plan um, when your bills are, when your paycheck is and you're never and it and it has a rolling total on it every after every transaction which helps you see if you are possibly going to be negative in the next week or two helps you make adjustments so that you don't with you know um, overdraft mm-hmm. and um, I think that was also one of the reasons why I created um, one of the reasons I created this uh, cash flow method was because, I found that a lot of my clients were in this cycle of overdraft fees and they couldn't get out of it. And it was really hard to visualize what everything that you needed to pay in a pay period needed to, you know, how it, the ebbs and flows of the week. And um, this really helps because it's a quick visual. It's, it's very um, easy to use, but my husband's very visual and I needed to keep super, keep it super simple for him because he was not interested in any of the money things. Mm -hmm. And so I come from, I understand sometimes how hard it is to have your spouse or your significant other on board when it comes to money. That's a very common theme because it's like, you have one person that's super into it, that wants to tackle this, that sees the importance of debt freedom and investing money. And then you have the other that's like not so interested. But what what I did was I created this budget and then I just showed it to him. And I said, okay, here's the plan. Do you want to change anything? And then allowing him to make changes and really come to, you know, to a conclusion and come together and agree with this is what we're going to follow for the month. And we're going to try our best to do that. I like how, how you describe that. And also I like that you tackle um, making sure you don't go over because um, there was a study at the top of the year about how people of color pay more than twice the amount in baking fees as white people. And I, I think that 
you know, giving us the tools to really take a look at our finances, even though they may be tight to make sure that we don't go over could definitely help us in that regard, but in also just establishing a more healthy relationship with our money. Yeah. And I really do focus on the practical strategy of it because I feel that it's like, these are the simple steps you need to follow. If you follow them, you're going to be good. And I'm super like strategic and just, these are the steps. If you just do it, it's going to work out because it's exactly what I did. So I come from, it's all personal experience, right? And I understand there's millions of ways to budget, but this worked for us. And that's why I'm like a huge believer because I've been doing it for 10 years. I love that. Let's say somebody's dealing with debt. In this case, it might be, it might be credit card debt that I feel like that's something that you might deal with in addition to student debt. How do you feel is the best way to be uh, sustainable about tackling debt? What are some of the ways of thinking, I guess, that you might be able to provide? Well, the two biggest um, strategies in, you know, pretty much um, mainstream is that you have the snowball method and you have the avalanche method. And I'll describe both. The snowball focus on um, attacking the smallest debt and going down um, to the to the the one with the biggest balance, right? And paying minimums on everything else and attacking the little one. That's the snowball method. The avalanche method is one where you focus on paying off the one with the highest interest. And I did the snowball method and I talk about how that changed, helped change our behavior. And it really helped us stay motivated. And we were able to accomplish what we did getting out of debt with the snowball. And I feel like it really did attack our habits. So if you are super disciplined and you already have, you know, your, your, don't have a lot of debt and it's just little things here and there and you're feel you feel like you don't need habit changes then I would say the avalanche may work for you but I'm very clear about I didn't do that method I did the snowball and for us we needed to change our whole habits our whole outlook we had a lot to to stay motivated in this long process it took us 17 months to get out of debt um so I personally recommend the snowball because most of my clients are new to this. They've never been, um, they've never learned about money management. They've never had anybody talk to them about money. Most of us come from Latino homes where money is a taboo topic and we're, we're thrown to, you know, all this debt and we don't really know how to manage it. And it's not about money or math. It's about habit changes. And so I really do feel like the snowball is the best. And I can only say that because that's what I work. That's what I did for myself. Um, but I have seen, I have two clients who have started the snowball and that worked for them. They felt that they were highly motivated after three of their, um, um, three other bills were paid off completely and they decided to switch to avalanche after that. And I said, go for it. You feel like you got this. They're like, absolutely. And so I, I, I think that personal finance is really personal in a year that we faced so many, um, we've, we feel like, I feel like we've needed to brace ourselves for the unprecedented, for the unpredictable. 
in the case that, you know, something happens where you you find yourself, your family, like for some reason, and it starts making less money, how do you prepare for these kind of like uncertain financial circumstances? So I think, um, for example, that family that came to me about going from two incomes to one, well, um, that wasn't really planned. It wasn't like a whole lot of planning they could do, but I think one thing is when you evaluate a budget or when I evaluate a budget, I look to see if there's any fluff is what I call it. Anything that is not a need. And sometimes they don't see it as they see it as a absolute need. And I see it as, no, I think that's an option. Um, not, you know, and so I'll bring it up and I'll point it out. And I, I would say one of those things is like a gym. I will suggest like I had a client who had a very expensive um, martial arts gym that they go to with their kids and it was over $300 a month. And one of the things I suggested was, is there an option to maybe stop or pause this for a little bit while you rearrange your lifestyle? And so there's things like that, where that wasn't an option for them, actually, it was not something they were willing to sacrifice. And that's fine, right? That's personal finance, you get to decide what you want. But there's a lot of things like that, where I will go through and just look at, okay, well, you had, um, let's say, over $1,000 eating out, is that something you can cut? That's like my number one, I can always find, I would say, food is what most people overspend on. Yeah. And you hear this, but you, you really start to wonder, you're just like, how could I spend that much on food? And lo and behold, yes. So what, what are the biggest changes that people start to make in order to reduce that food spending since it seems to be such a repeated culprit? Yes. So, um, I would say first and foremost, a food, um, plan. So I have like a printable where I just, you know, just have people um, plan out their meals or three meals a day and their snacks if they have little kids and just plan out what you're going to eat and buy only what's on the list. And you'll see like that will cut usually from 150 is what the average family of four spends. Um, so from 150, it'll go down to about $100 if you're really like planning to the T. And that's so hard to do in most cities. But I would say most of the people in the smaller cities in America can live on a family for it about 100 bucks a month, uh, 100 bucks a week in food, which will cut, right? If you're eating out at 100, $1,000, that doesn't mean that you're not buying groceries as well. Mm-hmm. So then- they're able to easily save sometimes about eight to a thousand dollars, sometimes even $1,200 just on food because they will cut out the eating out. And I always say, don't cut it out completely because you do sometimes need enough pinch to pick up something for, you know, your family or, um, you do sometimes want to get out right now in the pandemic, it's kind of hard. So it's really enabled people to like, okay, well then there's no choice, but to eat at home. Yeah. And to, and to make those conscious decisions to meal prep and to, to, to plan out. I would say meal prep is like number one. If I have somebody that's really struggling with their food budget, I say meal plan it. That is so revealing. 
Now, when we think about big life goals and big milestones, like buying a home, that's a big achievement, especially for everyone in our community. When they think about building wealth and, and gaining assets, they think about home ownership. What are some of the biggest things that you feel people don't know about getting a home that they should really know? Well, homeownership is, can be sometimes um, expensive, depending on where you are in the country. Um, it depends on a lot of things. There's so many variables, like, for example, how old the home is. Because if you get an older home, then you're most likely to have to make repairs. You are now responsible for anything that might go wrong. Um, in our case, we got a 10-year-old home. And we had to replace the AC within two years of moving in here. So that was a huge expense. So that's something that um, is not a thousand dollars, right? It's five, six, seven thousand, depending on where you are in the country. And it, it can be significant. Um, renting is not always the wisest thing. I think I mentioned this to you before. Um, I think that homeownership is smart. I think that it can be a really good investment. I think you have to be super wise with the investment and not buy something super expensive that might put you in a very tight situation financially. I think if you, um, it's all relative to what you make. So I always say it should be between 25 to 35% of your take-home pay. That's what your mortgage should be. So if you can't get within those ranges, it's okay to rent. It's okay to rent and wait until your career is in a better place and you're able to make more money so that you can live in your ideal like neighborhood. And if you want to stay in the ideal neighborhood and rent, that's fine too. It's, it's not, but it's not bad to own. And that's where I want to like really like, I try to show people like it's wise to own. I think it's not a bad idea. Um, you just have to be very selective and you have to do it wisely because it can get super expensive and you could go over your head and owe more than you should. Now, Maida, as we were, as we round out the interview here, what else would you like to tell people about kind of like looking at your money, especially such a, at such a strange time that we find ourselves right now where we may be facing um, potential more constraints around our budgets, what kind of remaining money um, kind of words of wisdom would you leave them with? You can do anything you set your mind to. Si se puede. I always tell people you can do this. It Sometimes people get um, really overwhelmed with the amount of debt that they have, especially if it's in the six figures and they don't make six figures. Um, it's still, you're able to attack it. This is still possible. Y el que quiere puede. You can do anything you set your mind to. Si se puede. I always tell people, you can do this. It Sometimes people get um, really overwhelmed with the amount of debt that they have, especially if it's in the six figures and they don't make six figures. Um, it's still, you're able to attack it. This is still possible. Y el que quiere puede. Jer, and the people that succeed and really are able to attack this mounting of debt and stressful debt that some of us may have is they have people around them 
that are rallying around them that are supportive and these are the people that win um if you're doing it alone it's very difficult it's still possible but it's very difficult so i would say um find somebody find somebody that you know is wise with money um and just share that you're on this journey and that you'd love some support and have somebody check in with you and accountability buddy i really i really like that and Maida, if somebody wanted to book some time with you or, um, you know, get help from you, how would they go about doing that? Debtfreelatina.com. That's where um, you can find me. You can book time to um, meet with me one-on-one and you can also find my course there. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Maida, for your time. And thanks for coming on Monedamus. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun. <laughs>